You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 16th of September. An incredible night of the NBA. Why the Nuggets advancing, while painful, is good news to the Jazz. And we'll look at the Heat and the Celtics and what we learned from that as well. Wow, what a night of the NBA and the WNBA. We'll touch on it coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Jazz NBA insider, this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. We do this show five days a week. We want you to listen, how about three, three days a week? Can you listen to Locked on Jazz three days a week for me? Oh, five? You want to do five? We'd love five. All right, uh, what a night in the NBA. Totally an insane, insane, insane unbelievable game uh, with the Celtics and the heat and the block, the nuggets cracking the Clippers. And honestly, the best story of the nights out of the WNBA, the Phoenix Mercury win on a single elimination first round of the playoffs on a buzzer beater against the defending champion, Washington mystics by a player who was cut by the mystics earlier in the year. So, This woman's cut by the Mystics, goes to the Mercury. They play single elimination first round playoff games, which are incredible to watch. And she hits a game winner against the team that released her earlier in the year. That's kind of great. Like not sort of great, kind of great, 100% great. But let's get to the ones that probably are making most of the headlines. And that is the incredible game between the Nuggets and the the Clippers. And I really want to put the focus on the Nuggets. There are a lot of aspects to this where we should be talking about the Clippers. Uh, But what is the story here should be what was really one of the great performances and, and just a special team. The Nuggets have something to them. And Jokic is probably now going to be recognized as one of the great players in the game. And some of our defensive struggles against the Nuggets look a lot more reasonable than they did when we were experiencing them. And frankly, I'll stick to this. Jokic is, Jokic, Rudy Gobert can't do what Jokic did, right? Like, I love Rudy, changes games. Rudy Gobert can't do what Jokic did. there's There's no question, right? Like, he can't will a team offensively like that to a win. But Rudy Gobert, we didn't see Jokic do that kind of stuff for the most part against the Jazz. What he did against the Jazz hit a bunch of threes. He didn't distribute the passing game like that. Didn't do because of Rudy. Right? So Rudy actually negated one of the five best players in the world at this point into something that was still great because he's still great, but definitely to less of himself. Jokic was dominant. If you watch the game, He made two of the greatest passes that probably... I'll give Tim Legler credit. When it happened, I wrote him down. And then on ESPN, Legler pointed him out as well. So to his credit. uh, They're double-teaming Murray, and we'll get into that in a second. And they're dropping into Jokic in the middle of the lane. And he's got a guy in each corner. He's got one side with a strong side. 
the natural pass and the pass you've seen every jazz big man that roll makes is to the corner. Like that's the pass. You're rolling, you catch, it's in front of you. You either, you throw to the corner, usually the strong side corner where there's the second defender. It's where we started to turn the ball over a little bit. Like Rudy has a hard, Rudy threw those passes and they take him away a little bit. Jokic is under such control, such an elite level passer, so remarkable. He was actually passing it back to the strong side high quadrant guy. Gary Harris hit the three. Paul Millsap hit the three on it. Now, the fact they hit the shots is the big part of that story. Those aren't great passes until the shot goes in, right? Like, you got what I, I mean, they obviously are, but you understand what I'm saying. We don't, we're not running highlights on them other than the fact that Gary Harris and Paul Millsap made those shots. But that, those plays busted the, the Clippers. I actually thought Jamal Murray's second quarter busted the Clippers. The Clippers, we'd heard murmurs of this all year long around the NBA. Is not, they are not a cohesive group. And that they they wanted it, they wanted to just overpower with their skill set and their brilliance with ease. And they had it going in the second quarter. I think they were up eleven or twelve, and Jamal Murray went nuts and had a twenty point second quarter. And that's what a superstar performance is. It's we always think about the superstar performance being the fourth quarter game winner kind of thing like that. But the fact of the matter is the superstar performance is as much keeping your team in the game when the game's in the balance so that you're able to come back and then win the ball game when you need to. That second quarter by Murray was great. And then Denver just annihilated them, kicked the crap out of them, humiliated them. The Clippers folded the deck chairs. Pretty incredible to watch a team with that type of accolades and everything else roll. They got outscored by 35 points in the final three fourth quarters. That's 35 points in 36 minutes. But give Denver credit. Denver made it hard on a team that didn't want to have it hard. Uh, this is to the, you know, to again, let's do it to Denver's credit. Here's the good news. The separation between the Jazz and the Western Conference Finals is not that far, right? We can play a lot of what-ifs. At this point, we might want to drop the what-ifs and just give Denver credit that they find a way to win. But let's give... The, the separation is just not that far for us. That's got to be really encouraging. Denver was built the way we can build a team. Not, we can't build a team the way the Clippers did. Not sure it's going to turn out to be very smart. They're in a hell of a lot of trouble. They have like no draft picks till like 2027 or something crazy. They gave up more first-round draft picks than Paul George had field goals in Game 7 for Paul George. So... We can build a team like Denver has. Like the joke is that Denver's built our team also, right? So that's, to me, that's really encouraging for our future. We can go try to find a Jamal Murray. We can go find a Nikola Jokic. We can go find a Tory Craig. We can go find a, a, a Paul Millsap probably to size as a free agent on the last side of their last part of their career. We kind of did it with Boyan Bogdanovich, frankly. Like they're not the exact same, but they're, they're, they're in the same realm. We could go find a Gary Harris. 
We can find a Monte Morris. We've found him a lot. We've shown we can do that. But that, I mean, we've got our Jamal Murray, right? We've got Donovan. We're not, you, Jokic is different, right? He's, he's, he's truly incredible. 16 points, 22 rebounds, 13 assists, three blocks, two steals. Rudy can never be Jokic. But you don't actually have to be the exact same as the team that went to the Western Conference Finals or advances. You just have to be able to build a team that can be equally as good, and we're pretty close. The Clippers went the star model, right? The big three model. Their superstars don't complement each other at all. Nothing Paul George does gets Kawhi Leonard open. Nothing Kawhi Leonard does gets Paul George open. Paul George is an issue. He's now a notorious playoff choke. His his mental fortitude in big games is questionable. And his post-game quotes are awful. So, I look at that ball game as, I mean, it was incredible. Give Denver all the credit in the world. But it should be encouraging to us. We can build a team like that. We can't build a team like the Clippers. Cohesion and togetherness matter. Can we profit off a team like Oklahoma City that has to move a contract like Jeremy Grant and find a similar type player? That's a great the great move Denver made is they got Grant in the offseason for a first-round draft pick to take the salary space. It's a great deal. I don't know if, how big of what the protections on that pick were. So Denver's done a brilliant job building their team, and they've got two incredible stars to build it with. We got two incredible stars, too. Ours are different. One of them is really different. And so you have to build different pieces around them. By the way, getting getting Gary Harris back, who played 37 minutes last night, changed everything for the Nuggets. The craziest thing about this is, had George Hill not led the boycott of the game in Milwaukee, one, the Bucs could still be playing. I think it might have disrupted the Bucs more than anyone else. It also may be the difference between the Jazz being in the Western Conference Finals or not. How insane is that? That's your what-if to chew on that will keep you up. That, the only way to get through a what-if like that is to have a mudslide cookie. Who's <laughs> just truly the answer. The mudslide cookie. That's, that's the answer to, to something like that. The store at 6200 South and 20th East, also located at the Gateway, right downtown across from the Children's Museum. It is Utah's own, the store. Jeff and Scott, Jeff owns, and Jeff is the dad, Scott's the son, run the store. Amy, they've hired. She does all the buying. You see her every now and then, just doing it all for the community. Going out and taking the groceries to the elderly who aren't comfortable coming into a store yet. You see the high school kids from Brighton and Olympus and all the area going out and taking the uh, the groceries to to the back of the car for the older the older po- folks that don't want to carry their groceries. You you feel it when you walk in, whether it's the chips that are made by the woman that Jeff met at a wedding that she he convinced to turn it into a business because they're the best tortilla chips ever. Whether it's the pico de gallo that you get cut up, you can see cut up in the back while you're there. It's just a great community feel at the store. Six hundred South Twentieth East. Also located at downtown at the Gateway. That's more of the urban setting, but still all the things you need. Wednesday is sushi day. I think it is. You get $5 fresh sushi. So stop by the downtown store if you're looking for lunch today and grab that. And grab a mudslide cookie while you're at it or a little locked on mudslide ice cream as well. It's all at the store, 600 South, 20th East, and located at the Gateway as well. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. 
You will not believe the taste of the new Built Bar. One of our hosts the other day called me. He's like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. They're better than they were before and I loved them before. You will not believe your mouth is the way Built Bar likes to say it. Unbelievably healthy, ridiculously delicious with incredible macros. The non-nut ones that I like, the coconut, the mint brownie, the double chocolate, the salted caramel, the raspberry. And I tell you what, that orange, it's like the evil thing to try to do is to go get that dreamsicle flavor, and they did it pretty darn well. And the macros are amazing. Only 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and just 4 grams of sugar. It's all at BuiltBar.com, and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. I don't do the nuts, so I can't tell you about peanut butter and coconut almond and peanut brownie and apple almond crisp and lemon almond cheesecake, but you can check it out because you have your mixed options. You can get a bar with all of them, or you can build your own bar Excuse me, you get a box with all of them, or you can build your own box. Locked on gets you the promo code, gets $10 off. When you compare it to the men's leading bar out there, you're getting 120 less calories. You're getting four grams of less fat. You're getting 34 grams of less carbs. Instead of 38, you're getting four. 17 grams of fewer grams of sugar. How about that? And seven more grams of protein. It's all at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. All right, I wanted to touch on... Uh, the Celtics and the Heat before we dig into George Niang in our player profile today. Um, I, when we're talking about team building and the Jazz in the future, I two things. I'm actually going to call Doris today because I watched that Celtics-Heat game and the, I'm watching the Celtics the entire time I'm watching the Celtics. I just think they're incredible. Like, I think they are so great. Gordon Hayward's, they're not playing, but Gordon Hayward is their fifth best player, arguably. Gordon Hayward was our best player, carried us to the second round of the playoffs. That's arguably their fifth best player, right? Tatum's amazing. Kemba Walker's really good. He's not playing great, but he's really good. Jalen Brown's terrific. Gordon might be better than Jalen Brown. By the way, Jalen Brown is not on the Celtics in a year or two. Maybe next year. This is clearly Jason Tatum's team. This is clearly Kemba Walker's team. Jalen Brown's just sitting in the corner every play. Jalen Brown is not interested in just sitting in the corner every play. I'm just calling it right now. I don't know anything other than I think he turned down a contract extension. But I'm telling you, Jalen Brown is on a different team. I think actually as early possibly as next year. He's not interested in watching... Jason Tatum take 24 shots. Kemba Walker take 19. He wants more than that. We'll see if he's that good, but he, I promise. Marcus Smart played great. It's unbelievable. And then Gordon, like, that team is loaded. The other one that jumped out at me, first of all, Jay Crowder was great. Like, good for Jay Crowder. And you know what? There was an aspect of Jay Crowder we missed. There's no question. He's just got a little something to him. Like, he threw up his two air balls, somehow went five for nine from three. He does all, but he actually played, made a bunch of really smart plays. But what jumped out to me in this game was the amount of guys that are elite athletically for their position. So Kemba's small, but Marcus Smart's elite athletically. Jalen Brown, elite athletically. Jason Tatum, elite athletically. Grant Williams is probably not that big, but he's probably elite athletically. Wanamaker, pretty five steals. That seemed to me to be elite. Williams, Robert Williams, elite athletic. Every player on Boston's elite athletically. 
for for the NBA, not just for like life, for NBA. Jimmy Butler, elite athletically. Bam Adebayo, elite athletically. Tyler Hero, elite athletically. Kendrick Nunn, elite athletically. Derek Jones, elite athletically. It really, really jumped out to me watching that game. The way they were flying around and moving and how athletically elite all those guys were. Like on our roster, Donovan's elite athletically. Is Mike Conley? I don't, I kind of don't think so. He was though. He's just small and he's 30, right? Like he was certainly his quickest player in the league when he came out. Joe's not elite athletically. Royce is not elite athletically. Strong, physically great. But if he was elite athletically, he probably would have gotten drafted. Rudy's elite athletically. Donovan's elite athletically. I don't know what I think on Jordan. Jordan might be elite athletically. That body's pretty, he does some pretty special stuff. So we got we got four guys if you count Mike Conley at 30 whatever years old which I actually am not sure that I think that anybody over the age of 30 other than LeBron is like a lead athletically anymore. I hadn't thought about Denver in that way. Denver's got Jamal Murray's probably elite athletically though frankly the book on Jamal Murray his entire career was that he's not elite athletically but I think we probably Grant's elite athletically. Harris is elite athletically. Torrey Craig's elite athletically. Michael Porter Jr. is elite physically. I don't know if he is athletically. Morris, I don't know enough about. So they've probably got four. Kawhi's elite athletically. Paul George's elite athletically. Beverly's elite athletically. Montrez Harrell's elite. Small, but elite. Morris Sr., maybe. Probably. I like Jamichael Green, by the way. I wanted the Jazz to sign Jamichael Green in the offseason. I wonder if he'll, he'd be available. I think he's on a one-year contract. I lo- I'd love him on our team. Sure, he's got, you know, you you watch guys like Jamichael Green for 24 minutes in a game or Mason Plumley for eight minutes, and you love them. And then if you get them for an entire year, you see all their flaws, and you don't like them nearly as much. So, like, let's make sure we understand how that works. But that was one of the things that jumped out at me. That block by Bam out of Bayou might be the best block ever in the history of the NBA. I mean, that's Rudy Gobert's block of DeLon Wright, but it's in a playoff game to win. Not like in a playoff game, like in a playoff game, like in a playoff game at the buzzer, a game-winning block. LeBron's chased out of Andre Iguodala. It's probably the greatest block in NBA history. This one's got to be right up there. Got to be right there. And how does Miami win? That is really what I was left with watching that game. Like, I am so in awe of Boston's skills, and then Miami wins. How does Miami win? And Goran Dragic might want to be talked about as kind of a... Uh, Goran Dragic needs to be talked about differently. And I, and I go back to... I credit... When I, when I think about guys, I think some of their European stuff actually matters. So Goran Dragic led Slovenia to the European title with Luka Doncic. Was, he was really the key guy on that team. Like, he might be a bigger, big game player than we think. And if you go back to his playoff history, like, it's always there. In 17-18, he averaged 19 points a game, shot 47% from the field and 38% from three. When he was, the year before, two years before that, he shot 44% and 35% from three. And when he was a rookie in Phoenix, he was pretty good in the playoffs. He hasn't had a lot of chances. But he is, at 33 right now, he is killing it. 22 points. Five rebounds, five assists in the 10 playoff games he's played this year at 35 minutes a night with a leg that doesn't work. Pretty awesome. 
All right, let's take some time with our buddy George Niang. First thing on George Niang, there's not a statistical measure that will show what he does for your team. When we went to quarantine, I missed, personally missed George Niang. He makes everyone around him stay better. He lights the gym up with incredible energy. He is fun. He makes the game enjoyable. In an 82-game grind, he's the one that makes you want to go to practice so you can see George Niang. It cannot be undervalued how important that is to who he is as a player. We're going to do a bunch of numbers. I'm sure there'll be a bunch of bad grades in here on B-Ball Index. But he deserve, you've got to understand him in that capacity. I'm going to grade him as a wing, not a big. So he's going to be compared to the 94 wing players in the system. His badges, B-Ball Index gives him a corner specialist and a catch and shoot. His top areas of talent, perimeter shooting, finishing, off-ball movement, and roll gravity. His highlighted statistics are three-point percentage, slip impact, ooh, off-screen effective field goal percentage, and finishing at the rim. So, you know, his usage rate is actually in the middle of the pack. His total offensive load is in the middle of the pack. When he's on the floor, he's, he's actually, you know, using, he's scoring about five scoring possessions a game. His lineup talent that he's usually around is an A-, minus. his offensive talent's an A, and it's the same thing. His spacing's an A, and the playmaking's a D-. minus. Like, that, this is interesting. Like, it's worth us trying to figure out who the best playmakers are that might be available, because some of it's our system. We space and don't. You know, but our playmaking numbers aren't great, right? His defensive position versatility is not great. His gameplay consistency, which is a really interesting number, is an A minus. You know exactly what you're getting out of George Niang. It's kind of cool. He gets an A for three point shooting. He gets an A for catch and shoot shooting. He gets an A minus for above the break shooting, and he gets a B plus for corner three shooting. It's a really good player to have coming off your bench. His openness rating. So does he get open looks? He got a C minus. He's not open. He, he's not, you know, Royce O'Neal got like an A. Boyan got an F. He is not open. Teams now know. His total gravity for three-point is an A. He is, people are pulling toward him. Um, they, are, they are aware of, of what he, where he is. His three-point shot quality is an A minus. So he he takes the shot when it's a good look. He's not like Boyan who's creating opportunities for himself. But he gets an A minus for perimeter shooting. That's great. It's exactly what we want out of George. We'll dig into the kind of the rest of of George Niang and and some other aspects uh, as we continue here. Today's show is brought to you by Shamrock Auto. Gosh, I love Rob and the guys down there in Pleasant Grove. It's a good story. So Rob. Taylor, not Rob Thomas, Rob Taylor, uh, opened up Shamrock Auto. He took 80 years of combined experience in automotive. He found a technician in Brady Kimball that has over 25 years, and he's built a small little company with fewer employees than anyone else. And the concept is, if he knows he has a technician buying the cars and he knows they're good, and then they don't have a lot of people, so the primary reason you get your final pricing in five minutes, no salespeople on a test drive, no long sale pitches. He's like, we don't have time for that. And if you read the reviews, that's what everyone says. Whether it's Ann Miller's review, fantastic place to buy a car, no 
beep salesman. He was great, totally friendly, no pressure, knowledgeable too. Uh, they've been in business for 10 years. The guys at Shamrock are huge fans of Locked On, so we like that. So make sure you mention you get your family uh, and friends pricing when you go to Shamrock. You call them at 801-319-2250. I asked Rob what his favorite part of owning Shamrock is. He said there's two things. It's when the people come from out of state to come and get a car from him because they know they'll get something good. And when people call him up and say, I'm looking for this car, can you find it? Most of the cars he has on the lot are 6 to 12 months, five to 20,000 miles, Suburbans, Yukons, big SUVs, things of that nature. Give Rob a call, 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250. Live show tomorrow on Locked on Jazz, so make sure you join us on uh, we'll do Locked On Live on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and all of those things. Uh, if you're a college football fan and Big Ten is your thing, Big Ten uh, is back and Locked On Big Ten put out an emergency episode on that today. New Locked On NFL hosts have been killing it, so make sure you jump on that. I want to share just a little Locked On note for you. Um, so last Tuesday, we had our biggest day we've ever had in uh, network history. It was really cool. And then Wednesday, we broke the record. And then Thursday, we broke the record. And then Friday, we didn't break the record, but we broke our all-time Friday record. So that was cool. So like Monday, we shattered the record. So suddenly we went into yesterday having set the record for most listens in a day on the Lockdown Podcast Network for four of the last five listening days. And then yesterday, we went after it again and shattered it again. Absolutely incredible. So thank you. We have now set the record for the most listeners on a given day for five of our last six days. I don't think we can do it again today, but we got it again. Incredible. So thank you. It's really a cool moment for us. All right, uh, let's continue. George is not an isolation one-on-one player. We know this. His actually isolation effective field goal percentage is an A. And this is actually the part of his game I think is under-talked about. He's actually the second all-time leading scorer at Iowa State. So when he has to go get a bucket, he actually can do it, which is a pretty cool kind of aspect of his game. On drives, his finishing rate, he's given a D. His total shots at the rim, he's given an F, which I think is probably unfair. He's getting to the rim, he's given a C. And he doesn't pass out of his drives. So it's not great, but it's a skill he has. He's not just a pure catch-and-shoot guy. And he's certainly not like a 3 and D guy, right? They give him his overall finishing talent as a B-. minus. I thought this was interesting on him on movement. His movement impact is an A-. minus. His off-screen effective field goal percentage is an A, which I was a little surprised by. He doesn't cut a lot, though. He's really a spot-up shooter in the corner. Playmaking, he doesn't get a lot of great grades. Potential assists per 100 percentage, he's really low. Um, his box creation, playmaking talent, he doesn't, he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. He does, so what we're seeing out of him is he's a great shooter. Exactly what he should be. Great corner shooter, great catch-and-shoot shooter, great above-the-break shooter. It's really tr- credit to him. When he has to go in isolation, pretty good, but he's not going to create out of it. And he draws attention. 
Like, if you look at his role, gravity, and some of those things, he draws attention. The disappointing part of his game, because he's not elite athletically, is that his rebounding numbers are poor. His offensive rebounding for 75 possessions is an F. We don't do a lot of offense rebounding, but his defensive rebounding is a D. Okay, so that's not, that's, again, that's not great. Uh, perimeter defense, overall rating, whether he forces turnovers, he gets a D. Pickpocket rating, he gets a bad grade. Loose ball recovery, he's average. Three-point contest, he gets an average. Steals, deflections, he's crazy low. Shot profile distribution, he gets an A. Really interesting. So this is like whether or not he alters the kind of shots the guy who's defending him gets. And this is what's interesting about him is we're going to get into this in a minute and we're going to look it up. He is isolated as much as just about anyone. We see it whenever he's on the floor. And I've always said this about George's defense. I'm not convinced that George's defense is that bad. I just think the word around the league is it's not very good. And so they go hunt him. And if you get hunted in this league, it's almost impossible to stop people because they're that good. So he does. He gets hunted as much as just about any player in the NBA. And yet, his shot profile difference distribution is great. So he's getting hunted. He is then, I think, defending well enough that he forces you into a tough look. He's not capable of like denying your look, but he's generally good enough that he's forcing you into a tough look. Um. He plays the power forward defensively 36% of the time, the small forward 21% of the time. The Jazz generally hide him defensively. He plays a tier six defensive matchup, so lowest tier of usage 58% of the time. That's right. It's a smart thing to do. Overall player impact. We're going to look at the other guys in the league that are isolated as much as he is in a second. Overall player impact ratings... I was surprised. I, I felt like he had a really good impact on us this year. These numbers don't come out as well. He got a C minus offensively and an F defensively, according to Jacob Goldstein. His real plus minus numbers, he got a C minus overall with a B plus offensively and F defensively. I just don't feel this is fair to what I watched. Offensive Raptor, B plus D, F defensively. And then box plus minus, B plus offensively, D plus defensively. He doesn't play with Rudy a lot either, though. Right? So Boyan is almost always playing with Rudy, which means that George is not. Effective field goal percentage, he gets an A. True shooting percentage, an A minus. Points per shot, an A minus. Points per possession, an A. Points over expectation, a B plus. He's he's an offensive, off, uh, off the bench shooter. And his spot up, he's an A. Spot up point per shot is a 1.24 in the 96th percentile. So we know exactly what we're getting. I thought this was interesting. Here are the players that during the season were isolated the most defensively. Uh, And a lot of these guys don't play a lot, so I'm going to kind of fly through them. But of guys that actually play, Deion Waiters. um, Tabo Cephalosha before he kind of extinction. Marvin Bagley. which is kind of an interesting one. Bobby Portis in New York. Keita Bates Jops, who doesn't play a lot. Mitchell Robinson. DeAndre Ayton. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist doesn't, didn't play a lot this year. Frank Kaminsky, not a surprise. Grant Williams in Boston. Dario Sarge in Phoenix. Mason Plumley in Denver. George Niang, Utah. 
These are the guys who get isolated the most defensively. Some other names of interest as we keep going here. Jake Lehman, Minnesota. Kyrie Irving. Willie Cauley-Stein, Bismack Biombo, James Harden. Davis Bertans. Kevin Knox. Marcus Morris. Dwight Powell. So of players that play, regular rotation players in the NBA, the most isolated defensively guys the teams go after is Marvin Bagley, followed by Bobby Portis, Mitchell Robinson of the Knicks, DeAndre Ayton of Phoenix, probably in pick and roll switches, Frank Kaminsky, Grant Williams, Boston, Dario Saric, Phoenix, Mason Plumley, Denver, George Niang, Utah, Jake Lehman, Minnesota, Kyrie Irving, Bismack Biombo, Willie Cauley-Stein, James Harden, Davis Bertans, Kevin Knox, Marcus Morris. So interesting kind of, I thought that was an interesting little add All right, not a great reveal on George. Like, we know who he is. I thought he got unfairly graded there. He's just a great guy to have on the team. Tomorrow, we'll look at the great Rudy Gobert. Actually, tomorrow, we'll do a quick little look at Tony Bradley, do a live show Friday. We'll look at Rudy Gobert. Thanks for tuning in to Locked on Jazz. I really appreciate it. Have a great day.